before I do an RT comes to preach. This is his last message with us during this year. Yeah, well, you know, you never know. He might be flying in and out and pop in one other Sunday, but his regular Sunday season is 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 over for this year. Coming back next year, uh, God willing, to finish his series on Colossians, and it has been an absolutely amazing series. And you know, when when you're a student of the Bible, a student of theology, and you know the Greek and you know the Hebrew, I'm not talking about the kebab shop and the kosher shop, I'm talking about the language, the biblical languages. When you know that, and you watch how a man who is the master interpreter of Scripture has the skill to take it and present it. We struggle. We struggle with this to get all that stuff that we feel to put it out. He's a master at it, and we really honor God. But it's, it's not just the skill that RT has developed. He would probably say, I got no skill. Every single time before he preaches, he says, God virtually doesn't use these words. I'm nothing. You're everything. If you don't do it, I can't. So we honor this man's knowledge of scriptures, his love of God and the glory of God and his openness to the Holy Spirit. He's been exceptional this year, the finest ministry that we've had from him. So thank you, RT, for these last six months. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. RT, I have your notes. Would you like me to preach it for you? Or you? <laughs> God bless you. Thank you so much, RT. You cannot outgive the Lord. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, one more time I ask for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be heard as you intend. Cleanse my tongue, that I will be your transparent vehicle to pass on whatever needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be very, very clear, very, very simple. I ask that this will be a life-changing word and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, Colin. <laughs> you embarrass me. You're very kind. Uh, thank you. Love coming here. Louise and I just have to pinch ourselves every year. It started six years ago for one time, and they invited us back then invite us back again, and this is the sixth year, and uh, Colin and, and Simon have invited us back next year, and uh, God willing, we'll continue Colossians then. 
but thank you. We love Colin and Amanda. And uh, today we've got TR and my grandson, Toby. Toby, come here. Come here, Toby. Yeah. Toby, you enjoying being in London? Okay. I asked earlier today, did you want to come and hear Grandpa first service or second service? And what did you say? I said second service because you were going to be better at this one. <laughs> you always are. So why do you think I'd be better at the second? Because God would tell you the mistakes you made during the first one. <laughs> Any, which is oh, that was unlikely. Okay. All right. It's great to have him. Ten years old. Proud of him. Here, you turn. Give this back to Paula. Thank you. You may be surprised that I would choose a subject just out of the blue, felt, led to do it, and I trust that this will be a blessing and make a difference in your life. Many years ago, when we started at Westminster Chapel, early on, I did something rather odd. I phoned my publisher and asked to do a book. I've never done that before. I don't do it now. Uh, I'll wait for them to ask me, but I made an exception. And I said, I want to write a book on tithing. And there was silence. I said, hello. Yes, R.T. Kendall, I want to do a book on tithing. He said, well, that's what I thought you said. Can we come back to you in a week? Sure. Well, they come back a week later and says, look, if we were to publish your book on tithing, would you buy a thousand copies? I said, yeah, okay, well, we'll do it. You see, they knew it would be a financial disaster. Uh, this would not be a popular subject, uh, but they didn't want to reject me. And if I would buy a thousand copies, it would pay for the print run. And that was their r r rationale. So it was done. In the meantime, I got Billy Graham, Sir Fred Catherwood, John Stott. Eventually, the Archbishop of Canterbury came on board. Do you know that book went into countless printings, many languages. In America, I think 30 printings. And it's still in print in all kinds of languages. And uh, I learned this. Uh, when we first came to England, strange as it may seem, and this is not going to surprise you, for some reason, British Christians don't tithe. They just, they just don't. Preachers don't preach it because they may be afraid of people suspecting their motives. Uh, and then if the course of the preacher preaches, he's going to have to tie himself, and he wanted to put, put that one off. And it just isn't done. I think the Salvation Army tithe, there may be certain Pentecostal churches, but uh, Church of England, certainly not most churches. Well, that was the way my book was published. When I was 10 years old, I had my first job selling Grit magazine, G-R-I-T. 
out of Williamsport, Pennsylvania. My father said his first job when he was 10 years old was selling grit, good enough for me. And so we arranged it on my 10th birthday, ordered copies from Williamsport, and I went all over our neighborhood in Hilton Avenue in Ashland, Kentucky. And as best as I can recall, we come back, I brought in all the money that I took, sold out all of my magazines, and we sat at the dining room table, and uh, all the money was laying there on the table. And when we saw how much I get, how much we send to Williamsport, as best as I can recall, I earned a dollar. At that point, my father put his finger on a dime, which is 10 cents, and said, this, my son, is the Lord's. I said, this is mine. <laughs> this is the Lord's. I said, no, I earned it. I want, this is mine. No, my son, this is the Lord's. Dad won. God won. I won. That was my introduction. Uh, my father had this strange view. You could call it a mathematical incredulity. He said that if you live on 90%, give God his tenth, the 90% will go as far as the 100% you started out with. That's what he said. In fact, he said, son, I think it goes further. Well, uh, those were the days, but I have to say, some years later, after Louise and I got married, I'm ashamed to admit to this, in early days of our marriage, we didn't tithe. Uh, the reason was that I had foolishly got into debt. I, I, I didn't know how to handle money. This before I met Louise. I bought a, a, an airplane. I bought a new Edsel. I bought Hi-Fi. It was awful. I was very much in debt. And uh, we should not have got married then. We should have waited a couple years. But in those days, we thought Jesus was coming any day. And uh, I had waited a long time. And so uh, we got married. Reason you're thinking. Well, we didn't tithe. I worked as a salesman. Never forget one day I, I came in so discouraged. Hadn't made a sale. And we were in debt. And there were bills to pay. I noticed on, my, on our dining room table was, was a white Bible. Uh, that my grandmother had bought us. And uh, I said, Lord, I choose to believe that that Bible, I noticed it was opened, it just opened. I choose to believe that that Bible is open to a verse that's going to make me feel better. So I walk over and my eyes fell right on these words. It said, will a man rob God? You've robbed me with tithes and offerings. I close the Bible. <laughs> Went and sat down, turned on the TV that we owed for, and I thought, Lord, I wanted something to make me feel better. Well, I can tell you, we didn't tithe because we thought the most religious thing you can do is to pay your bills. That was my rationale. And once I get out of debt, we'll start tithing for sure. Well, the problem was a year later, we were more in debt. Two years later, we were deeper in debt. But the day came when we said, today 
we start tithing. We weren't out of debt in two weeks. It took a couple of years, but we got out of debt. That was something like 58 years ago. Got completely out of debt. And in 58 years, we've never owed anybody anything. We're not in debt, never have been. I'm not standing here as a millionaire. I can just say I am one who has proved you cannot outgive the Lord. Uh, we have enough. My father was not rich. He always had enough. We have no complaints. And God has always supplied our need. Well, it's the solution nobody talks about. Do you realize, perhaps you do, that the church in Britain is in bad shape financially? Church of England, Church of England, terrible shape. Uh, church in England, all over, bad shape. But nobody talks about the obvious solution. Do you realize if everybody tithed in the church, there will be more than ever, more than enough to pay all the bills, send more people to mission uh, uh, stations, more missionaries than ever, and have more money for the poor. But nobody talks about it. And it is the obvious solution. But here's the thing, we, we don't want to tithe. We look for every reason not to. We have a saying back in the hills of Kentucky. When a fellow says, it ain't the money, it's the principle. It's the money. <laughs> well, Voltaire, French atheist, said, when it comes to money, everybody's religion is the same. John Wesley said, the last part of a person to be converted is his wallet. <laughs> Many years ago, I was out fishing in the Florida Keys with Harlan Milby. You won't know who that is. Now in heaven, Harlan Milby paid every penny of our tuition. When we came to Oxford in 1973, and for our three years in England, he paid every penny of our tuition so that we could come over here. Out fishing with him one day, I said, Harlan, tell me, how did you make your money? He was the founder of two life insurance companies, and God had just blessed me. Oh, he said, it's very simple. Years ago, he said, when my wife and I first got married, we were deep in debt. But I came across a verse, 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. Them that honor me, I will honor. Them that honor me, I will honor. And we started right then tithing. And as he said, the rest is history. Well, I want to introduce the subject. It may be old hat to you for all I know, but I just felt that I should speak as if you knew nothing. So we start from the beginning. Tithe means one-tenth. So if you earn a pound, then... 10 pence is the Lord's. How do we know that? It's because the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. It's his. He puts us on our honor to give it. Now, the inland revenue, they don't put you on your honor. They get it. But God puts us on our honor. If you earn 10 pounds, one pound is his. 
we give it back to him. If you earn a hundred pounds, 10 pounds is his. If you earn a million pounds, 100,000 pounds is the Lord's. He puts us on our honor to give it back to him. So if I earn 10,000 pounds, and then I give God 5,000, and that's all, the Bible says I have robbed him of 5,000 pounds. That's the meaning of the verse. Will a man rob God? When you don't give him what is his, to that degree, you are robbing God. I want to raise the question, why is it some Christians don't tithe? And I found out, and this may surprise you, but I can tell you why some Christians don't tithe. In fact, those that don't, most of them, I can tell you why. They haven't been taught. That's all. They're just waiting to be taught. I found this out. Uh, when I first went to Westminster Chapel, I started preaching on tithing once I thought we might stay. I don't know if you know this, but we came for six months and we weren't going to stay. We were going to go on back. But after I was there a couple of months, people began to come. Please don't leave us. Please stay. Please stay. And I said to Louise, I don't know whether we're going to stay or not, but if, if we stay, they need to know everything I believe. So I honestly, I started to preach everything I thought they might not like. And I made sure I preached on tithing. We were in the book of Jonah. That was what, what I was doing. And I thought, I want to preach on tithing. However do I find tithing in the book of Jonah? Well, it was hard, but I found a little loophole. Uh, when the sermons became a book, I didn't know whether to leave it in or leave it out. I left it in, and people, the, the, all the reviewers picked up on that one thing. Where do you suppose Dr. Kendall finds tithing in the book of Jonah? Well, I probably should have taken it out. But I wanted everybody to know exactly where I stood on that subject. Fast forward 25 years later. Farewell service, Westminster Chapel. Place was packed from top to bottom. Lyndon Bowering chaired the meeting. And people came to say goodbye. It was a lovely evening. At the end of the service, I stood to shake hands with people who said kindly to say goodbye. I was amazed how many, one after another, would say, thank you for teaching us to tithe. Would you believe it? They're just waiting to be taught. When I was at church in Fort Lauderdale, member of our church, Bill Webb, told how he started tithing. He said his pastor in Detroit urged every a member to tithe for six months and then forget about it. And then he said, we've been doing it ever since. There's another reason people say they don't tithe. This is for the more theologically sophisticated. You see, they're, they're looking for some reason that they don't have to tithe. Uh, by the way, you see, that's it. We all look for the loophole. If we can find a reason not to tithe, we're going to grab it. As a matter of fact, after my book, Tithing, came out about a year later, somebody decided to write an article against my book. And I was disappointed that they published it, but uh, they did. And here's what the article said. It said, we're not called to tithe. All of our money is God's. It's all his. And tithing is only the beginning. 
Well, you see, people love that because that sets them off, sets them free, and they're off the hook. And you know what happens when people read that? They don't tithe at all. They don't tithe at all. But it sounds good. Well, funny thing, that man that wrote the article, I happened to meet him several months later. Never thought I would. Not only met him, <laughs> we became friends. But one day I had the courage to ask him a question. I said, you know that article you wrote against my book, Tithing? Oh, yeah. I said, can I ask you a question? You said that all of our money is God's and tithing is just the beginning. Tell me something. Do you tithe at least? Do you have receipts to show that you give at least a tithe? You give more than that, but just at least a tithe. Just tell me, do you actually come up to the tithe? He stared at the sky, looked at the street. No, I don't tithe at all. I knew it. I knew it. Use something that sounds good. We need a guiding principle. And that's why I'm teaching this. And this is why I believe what I'm teaching. And it will make all the difference. But you see, those who are sophisticated theologically say, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tithing is under the law. And that verse in Malachi was during the 1300-year parenthesis of the Mosaic law. And we're not under the law. Well, they're right. We're not under the law, but they forget something. Abraham was the first tither. He lived 400 years before the law came. Now, I don't know if you realize this. This is a big theological point. When I would teach school of theology, we, school of theology I would make this point. The law lasted from 1300 B.C. to 33 A.D., to when Jesus died on the cross. 1300 B.C. to 33 A.D. 400 years before the law, 1700 B.C., Abraham came along. We're told by Galatians 3.8, Abraham first preached the gospel. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham was Paul's number one example for justification by faith. Abraham was the prototype Christian, the first type of Christian. And lo and behold, he not only believed in justification by faith, and we could go on and on about how Abraham was the first uh, believer, so he was also the first tither. Yes. You see, here's what happened. Abraham got in a crossfire between uh, the kings of Sodom and other kings. And his nephew, Lot, got into all kinds of trouble and ended up losing all his possessions. And word of this got back to Abraham, and Abraham proceeded to rescue his son with 318 trained men. And the success of Abraham was phenomenal. And he got all the spoils and riches from all the kings out of the blue comes a mysterious figure by the name of Melchizedek, king of Salem. And Abraham gave a tithe of everything to Melchizedek. That was the origin of tithing. How did he know to do it? It was the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And it's been the pattern for supporting the work of God ever since. The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were the tithers. They set the example. But 400 years later, because of the transgressions, the law came in, 
And when the law came in, they made tithing legal and mandatory. With Abraham, it was voluntary. Under the law, you had to do it. It's like they put a pistol to your head. You do it. Well, the thing is, under the law, you had to do it. But we're not under the law. When Jesus died on the cross, the law was fulfilled, and it takes us right back to Abraham. And if we're going to be consistent, Abraham tithed out of gratitude. It was voluntary. And I have to tell you something right now. Tithing will not get you to heaven. It will not even help you get to heaven. In fact, it could hurt your chances. How could it hurt? It will hurt if you think it helps. Because that means you'll be trusting in what you're doing. Good work. Oh, no. Tithing. The whole doctrine of sanctification in the New Testament. It's all about gratitude. Why do we leave, lead holy lives? Not to get to heaven. It's the way of saying, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. So is tithing. It's, our, it's all because of gratitude. And that is why Abraham tithed. And we follow him. But now I want to raise this question. And the question is this. Why else is it that some Christians don't tithe? And the reason is, I'm, I'm sorry, this will not surprise you. It's just they're stubborn and they don't want to. And they look for every excuse not to have to do it. Some just refuse to do it. My friend O.S. Hawkins put it like this. The principal hindrance to the advancement of the kingdom of God is greed. It is the chief obstacle to heaven-sent revival. It seems that when the back of greed is broken, the human spirit soars into the regions of unselfishness. I believe it is safe to say that there can be no continuous revival without hilarious giving, and I fear no contradiction, where there is hilarious giving, there will soon be revival. I agree with my friend, O.S. Hawkins. I want to give now five reasons we should tithe. Reason number one, Jesus endorsed it. I don't know if you have any idea how important this is, that Jesus, our Lord, endorsed tithing. And here's when he did it. Matthew 23, verse 23. If you want to have some fun, just look at how Jesus poked fun at the Pharisees, one thing after another. I mean, he picked them to pieces. Throughout the 23rd chapter of Matthew, Pharisees do this, but here's the truth. Pharisees, the truth. Pharisees, and he would, he would say something against them. Until he came to verse 23. The only thing that Jesus gave the Pharisees. It says, you tithe, and on that, good. You're right to do that. He endorsed it. He endorsed it. This is big. Can you imagine where missions would be today if Jesus hadn't done that? You need to know, reason number one, Jesus endorsed it. Second, Paul assumed it. And this is in 1 Corinthians 16, 1. He says, on the first day of the week, lay in store as God has prospered you. Now notice how Paul put it. As God has prospered you. That's the tithing principle. Do you realize tithing is the fairest 
system in the world. For example, the millionaire, when he buys a pound of minced beef at Sainsbury's or Tesco's, pays the same amount that you do. When you buy petrol, same amount as the millionaire. No matter how poor you are, you have to pay what they do. But when it comes to the tithing principle, no, God looks at your one-tenth, and it is as special to him as the millionaires. As a matter of fact, you may say, well, why should I tithe? I make so little. If you tithe one pound because you earn 10 pounds, I have to tell you, that one pound you give to God is as precious to him as the millionaire who gives his hundreds of thousands. He's looking at you because you're giving out of gratitude. And it's not the amount. It's the fact that you're giving to the Lord. Well, there's another reason you should tithe. Because of what it will do for the work of God on earth. This is what enables the church to function. Before you were saved, somebody here at Kensington Temple paid the bills. But now you're here. The torch is passed on to you. And God expects us to keep this up. What it will do for the work of God, it will make it function. And as I said, you'll have more money than you ever would have if everybody in KT tithed. The rich, the poor, you just tithe. Kensington Temple will have more money than it ever could have had. I have no idea whether you need this sermon. I only know I felt led that I should bring it today. There's a fourth reason you should tithe. This to me is huge. Because of what it does for God in heaven, it honors him. It pleases him. This is why I do it. When I tithe, and by the way, my tithe, when I want you to know I'm, I'm paid a little a stipend by you people. I tithe literally every penny. The gross, by the way. That's something I do. I've always been a tither, and I do it to KT. And I tithe because this is what pleases God. I don't consider that I'm giving it to you. I consider that I'm giving it to him. And let me ask you a question. If you come to the place, this is a serious question, that you get more satisfaction when you bring God honor than when he does something for you. Learn to get your satisfaction by knowing you please God, not because he does things for you. But then there is a fifth reason and I might have put this first, and some might have, but I put it last. And that is because of what it does for us. And you may ask, what does it do? Well, listen to this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And then he goes on to say, God loves a cheerful giver. And in case you didn't know, the word cheerful comes from a Greek word that means hilarious. God loves it when you are a hilarious giver. When I was at that church in Fort Lauderdale, we had a member. His name was Bob Walker. 
And uh, he said to me, first couple weeks I was there, he said, Pastor, I just want you to know I don't tithe and I don't believe in tithing. He said, but I give my $5 every week. I said, fine. He said, well, you know, if everybody gave $5, we'd have more than we have now. I didn't argue. That's okay. Well, about a year later, to my surprise, he came up to me. He says, by the way, guess what? Uh, Connie and I have been tithing. Good. Glad to hear that. And he said, guess what? I said, what? Here's his testimony. We haven't missed it. That's all he said. He didn't say we now drive a Mercedes. He just said, we haven't missed it. That was his testimony. And he was surprised. He thought that when we, they tithe, oh, it's going to dis disrupt their whole family. He said, we haven't missed it. Then I can tell you one other thing. You know, what tithing will do for you spiritually, this Bob Walker, soon, soon after he was tithing, he started coming to church on Sunday night. Now, when a Southern Baptist comes to church on a Sunday night, something big has happened. Bob started coming on Sunday night, and that's not all. He even came out on Wednesday night, our prayer meeting. It just, it seemed like when he started tithing, it just loosened his spirit, and he started loving God and the Bible, coming to church. He eventually became a deacon, and he was on the pastorate committee when I left, when they called the new man. It started, just, he started tithing. Isn't that something? Well, question before I quit. Where should the tithe go? I can answer. Here's what Malachi said. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Full tithe. Full. Well, what does he mean? <laughs> For one thing, you, at the end of the year, you've got receipts to show that you tithe the whole year. There are those who say, well, going to church today, we must pay our tithe. That doesn't please God. You know, if you're not at church that Sunday, the following Sunday, you bring twice as much. Or if you miss a month, the following month, you double it. And at the end of the year, you have receipts to show you have tithed. This shows your care for the work of God and care to honor Him in detail. Well, uh, where should the tithe go? To the storehouse. You say, well, what's that? Ask any rabbi. It's the local synagogue. In other words, the local church. If you come to Kensington Temple, this is it. You tithe one-tenth to your local church. What's above the tithe, there are those who double tithe. It won't hurt you to do that. There are those who do it. Above the tithe, give it to uh, the Gideons, to Care, to Billy Graham, missionaries. But one-tenth, full tithe, to the storehouse. Well, I was named after my father's favorite preacher. Some of you have heard me say this, Dr. R.T. Williams. He told a story of a millionaire who gave $100,000 to the church. He made $1 million, gave $100,000 to the church, and had receipts to show it. Sometime later, he went bankrupt. And his friends and some of his family said, oh, bet you wish you hadn't given that money to the church. And the millionaire replied, oh, you don't realize that's the only amount I kept. In heaven, 
storehouse in heaven. He said, had I not given that to the church, I would have lost it too. At least I'd given 100000 to the church. Dr. W.A. Criswell, famous pastor, First Baptist Dallas, uh, told this story. Somebody asked the pastor, how many members do you have? Pastor said, 300. 300 members. Yep. How many of them tithe? He said, 300. Really? 300 members and 300 tithers? Yep. He said, half of them give it to God, and God takes it from the rest. <laughs> Here's a way of getting it. Your car breaks down, this repair, and you think, uh-oh. Why not give it to him voluntarily? That the church gets it. Here's a poem that you probably have never heard by John Bunyan, famous as author of Pilgrim's Progress. Here's what he said. There was a man, some called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. You cannot outgive the Lord.